Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. He was Gus on the U.S. National Tour 4, and then he was in the Cats course twice during the original Broadway production. So welcome, Lee Lobenhofer, and thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. I, it's going to be fun. I love having guests because generally you all agree with me that Grizabelle is the wrong choice. So we will get to that point. <laughs> but I always love starting at the beginning um, because especially with the tours for an original Broadway, you predate the 1998 movie, which is like where half of my guests kind of seem to know Cats from. Yeah. So my question to you is, is when did you get first introduced to the show? It had been around for a little bit since you, before you went on tour, but yeah. it wasn't long. So what was no, your first well, experience with it? Well, I went into my agent's office and I said, anything happening and typical of an agent, he said, no. And I looked yeah. on his table and there was an audition for cats. And I said, what about cats? And he said, well, you want to see that? You want to go in for that? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So I went to see it. And my first audition for cats was for uh, Rum Tum Tugger. And I, I had not seen the show, didn't know anything about the show. So I went in and uh, decided, okay, this is what Rump Tum Tugger must be. And I was basically doing um, David Bowie slash Prince slash or it, everything completely wrong. But, but then, so I went in and auditioned it. But that same day I went in and saw the show and I went, I don't want to play. I don't want to play. Uh, Rum Tum Tugger, I want to play Gus. <laughs> Gus speaks to me. So then I went back in and I said, no, I want to, I, I, to my agent, I said, I really want to be seen for Gus. And so then I went in for Gus and lo and behold, they cast me in it. And I have such an affinity to Gus. I just, my heart always swells whenever I talk about him because I love the guy being a theater person and Gus being a theater person and just, and now being a little bit longer in the truth than I was when I played Gus, I can yeah. even appreciate his point of view a little bit more. I love that. So I see so you originally, I mean, they could not be more polar opposite Absolutely. Of similarities between Tugger and Gus in the sense of like rock starish, but past his prime and early in his kind of peak. Yeah. But I mean, opposite character to play. Totally opposite character. 
And also something like I'd done Grease twice and I'd, you know, I'd kind of done that rock and roll thing and I wasn't particularly interested in reviving that, that sort of sense memory. So instead I was, I want to challenge something else. And Gus spoke to me for a variety of different reasons, mm-hmm. which if you're interested, I can, I can share that. But, uh, uh, basically, yeah, here. yeah well, my, my father was uh, quadriplegic. So I, wow. I became a dancer and all of that stuff. It was super, super physical. Um, but then I saw Gus and it, when it talked about his hand shaking, you know, palsy that makes his hand shake. Well, my dad's hand and body shook. And mm-hmm. as a testament to him, I decided that, you know, I was going to take his story and add it into Gus and, and, and make it. So it, it had a very personal feeling to me, not just, you know, uh, looking from the outside, but I was also from the inside. Wow. That is, I mean, what a powerful way to bring like a very personal piece of your life into the role. Yeah, it was, I always felt like I was doing a service, not only to my dad, but also just to anybody with any sort of a disability, making sure that, you know, Gus was representative of them uh, truthfully and and not doing a parody or anything like that. Yeah, that's super interesting. So, I, so you get cast in this role, yeah. And this is a, what two years into this this tour went for like 10, 15 years. I think. yeah, forever. <laughs> this is two years into this. Um, I think the the tour, which is it's you know really the second time it toured the U.S. Yeah. So I'm always interested in what kind of rehearsal process goes along with that. Like, how much story do you get told about all of your characters? Because you end up playing three yeah. in the show. Yeah. Um, and how much kind of like goes into that process when it's between, you know, switching between a couple of years of something that's going on multiple times, multiple years in a row. Um, it was very interesting because I started in, in New York when that, when I got cast, they were, first of all, I went in and spent two days listening to the story of the cats and the interrelationships mm-hmm. of all the characters. And then b- upon listening for two days to, okay. So this is the, you know, Tugger and Monkestrap are brothers. They're all sons of uh, uh, old Deuteronomy, and, uh, and then th- then they follow it up with, but none of this is important for the audience to know. <laughs> but as long my as whole show that, centers around this, yeah. this is all, everything I want to know. It was, it, it was all about you need to know the relationships of the tribe in order to have truthful relationships and all of that. So, mm-hmm. so that was fun. And then they spent a day. They said, "Okay, here's the set." This was on the Broadway set. And they said, we'll, we'll be back in about uh, four or five hours. Just play. <laughs> well, I, I just spent time by myself, which allowed you to not be self-conscious. You know, okay, I'm here, sitting here, licking my paw and cleaning my ears and all of that stuff that we did as, as cats. And it's very easy to shut down and say, I, I look like such an idiot. But when they leave you into the, into the space that is sort of, perfect for the size of everything it allows you to bring yourself down into the into the size of a cat but also nobody's watching you so there's no sense of oh my god i'm, I'm making such an idiot of myself instead you could just explore and play and that became my license to just go out there and completely immerse myself in being a cat and of course i've also been a cat lover all my life i have, I have Two cats right now that uh, we say there's from like the, one over your shoulder. There's one, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. 
And uh, I, we have two that we rescued from the, the garage next door. And I have six feral cats that I take care of outside every night. <laughs> sort of a, a big cat fan. Wow. But So it was wonderful to really delve into the physicality of a cat. Yeah. And it's so interesting because there's that part, there's the dancer part, but then also you'd spend two days learning a story that you're specifically told we don't as audience need to know, which is yeah. a wild part of this show. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, what do you remember about your Gus backstory? What's the part you were told? Um, they didn't say too much other than the fact that, you know, he, he was an English, um, theater cats who, you know, uh, tried to get on stage whenever he could but what you know whenever they needed the cat he he was sort of the go-to person other than you know he was like probably second there was somebody better than him but he was always wanting mm -hmm. to be the first one but he was always maybe the second cat but that he just immersed himself and loved the theater so much and uh that's that's why he says and i say now these kittens they do not get trained as we did in the days when victoria raged yeah. it's like yeah he really immersed himself in the into the world of the theater and and totally bought into the importance of it which i could also relate to because i do the same thing as an actor i completely buy into the importance of theater even though a lot of people might disagree with me i feel like it is you know, a, a way to change the world and he felt the same way and that uh the new generation wasn't doing as, as full of a service to the art form as he felt was necessary yeah what about what they tell you about bustopher because that's the other part of the track right and yeah, yeah. Around, which i'll ask next yeah bustopher is such a such a ball he's just so full of himself but so full of whatever he can get his hands on to eat as well uh, <laughs> he's who was it like there were some actors that like peter ustinoff and stuff like that that they would put into my mind as saying you know think think of yourself as this grand maester of uh, uh, because he's not really a part of the tribe he just comes by every once in a while mm -hmm. so so you kind of feel like he's he's actually an indoor cat who occasionally goes outdoors as he gets fed a lot and he's spoiled and, and totally thinks he's he's not only uh sexy but also gorgeous even though he's the size of you know a blimp yeah and then did they tell you much about growl tiger um growl tiger was they, they would say things like you know think errol flynn douglas fairbanks jr all of that stuff so you are you are swashbuckling big blowhard uh but but very theatrical. It was not as a real character, but as a, a mm -hmm. big theatrical character. Yeah, because it's a story within a story within a story. I'm honest. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah um, exactly. Are you Growl Tiger? Are you Gus Asparagus? Or as when I was dancing, because that was the interesting thing about the difference between the tour and the Broadway tracks. Uh, on the tour, we had two less cats, so they needed dancers. The twins weren't there, right? That was yeah. who was cut? Yeah. And so they needed extra dancers, which was great for me because I was a dancer as well. So every night you would dance the Jellicle Ball and the Jellicle Ball was, it's always like, okay, pull up your socks. Here we go. Let's go. Yeah. And then when I came to Broadway, it was like Gus comes out, he does that opening sequence and then he escapes and runs away. And I went, no, I want to stay. I want to dance the ball. Because yeah. as much as it, it was exhausting, it was also just so much fun. So you are asparagus in the opening number. Yeah. And then you're Bustifer. Yeah. And then you're 
asparagus in the gel in the uh, ball. Yeah. And then your Gus in act two for the rest of the time. Is that the track? Well, sort of. Yeah. I, I used to call him Genera Gus. Because asparagus was when I wasn't really asparagus because asparagus is is old and uh, when you're dancing the ball and all of that stuff you're you're still in the, in sort of the costume without the big cloak and all of that so so that I wasn't really Gus I was something else so I just called him uh, Genera Gus. So I love that you call that it's so much better than in the 2016 revival they called him Peter like they named him like yeah a cat. Yeah. And so I like generic us way better. <laughs> that's uh, fun. Okay. So that's, yeah, that makes sense. So you're just, but that's, that is a, a body essentially to dance. Like you're, it's a, yeah. you're, you're not supposed to be known as Gus at that point. You're supposed to be just a, you know, just another member of the tribe person yeah. to, to be able to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you go on tour. I, I'm curious what the crowd reaction is. This, Cause this is, what is it? 89, 90 ish. Like this is. Mm-hmm. It's late eighties, early nineties. It's on been on Broadway for about eight to ten years at this point. It's been around for about ten years. It's only been through the US once. I think Tour Three did kind of a roll through the US once. And now this is the four is the next one. So what is the crowd reaction? Do most people know what they're seeing or were you really the first time that they were experiencing it again? It was a little bit of both. You definitely mm-hmm. had the the Cats fans that would come up and you know, do all of the fun things and dress up and all of that. But we were also playing cities. Like we were the first one, first tour, I, as far as I know, to play uh, Anchorage, Alaska. Wow! So they had never seen it, it at all. So it was <laughs> yeah. it was all new to them, and and typical with cats. It's like people were either enthralled or very d- confused. <laughs> like, well, why are those people? There's no middle. Yeah. There's no middle. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. I I always say that. To be in Cats, you know, some people love it, some people hate it, but Cats is so much more fun to be in than to see. I, every night I looked forward to doing it, whether it was, you know, starting 50 feet off the side of the the stage and getting a running start and hitting the stage and sliding all the way across the, the stage on your knees or doing all of that stuff. It was so much fun. And then, I never felt with Gus, especially because I had that personal connection to it, that I, I, I it got old or it got stale. Mm-hmm. I always felt like it was a challenge. It was something that I could make statements with, but also it was challenging me as an actor. Yeah, you get a little freedom in the show because you get a little moments and interactions with the different cast members that you can change. So it's, I think it's yeah. a little bit less stuck than some other shows where you really are like, hit this mark at this point at this time and nothing yeah. else. Um, but it does feel like I've talked to a hundred plus cast members at this point mm-hmm. and it almost feels like I kind of jokingly would say it's like the, the gel cult. It's like its own cult. Like everyone who's been in it is like enthralled and loved it. And you know, their experience was great and they're just, you know, they're, they're tied to it. So it's like, they almost were became gel tribe members themselves and have left and, you know, so are thrilled to talk about it, which is why, you know, this podcast is still here. Yeah, hundred plus episodes later, is that everyone loved their experience? The connections that you make with the other performers, because especially on tour, on Broadway it was great, and, and the connection is there. But on tour, because you don't know anybody else in the city, your whole day is basically yeah. absorbed with the the cast. You're going to the gym together, you're eating together, you're going out after the show together. And uh, my Jelly Lorem, Alice Lynn, was 
she she had been doing it before when I came in, so she had already established herself in the tour. And she welcomed me with such open arms. And to this day, I look at her as one of my dear friends. And the relationship that we've developed, not only offstage, but especially on stage, her Jelly Lorem taking care, or and then becoming Griddlebone, but her Jelly Lorem taking care of old Gus was so tender and so warm that, you know, how can you not love doing that every day? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so true with the, with the tour you you kind of are, you're on a, probably a tight bus and you're going city to city, you know, nobody, you're in a hotel all together. Yeah. It's a, yeah. I mean, it's like you're, it's your whole family at that, at that point. Absolutely. It was interesting because when they, I started, they gave me some ideas and suggestions. And one of the things was get a snuggly. I went, what? Get a snuggly for on the bus because it was a bus and truck. We flew to the major cities, but a lot of times we were in a bus. So we would get on the bus and everybody would lay down on the floor or across the seats or wherever their, their spot was. And they all had a, a, a te- some sort of stuffed animal that they could snuggle up to, to sleep during the, the, the tour, I mean, during the, the sometimes long bus rides. So eventually I got myself a stuffed tiger, obviously for Growl Tiger, and, yeah. uh, and, and I joined the thing. They said to avoid homesickness you have to have a little piece of home with you and you have to have a snuggly that you you can feel like you're you're you know there's somebody there for you yeah yeah it just i i grew up playing um travel hockey and it was the same thing mm-hmm. we were in cars all the times together as a group and and i i predate as you ipads and everything else to like no, make yeah. it easy so it's it's just a different life when you're doing that and you're doing it all over the country for a full year plus at a time. So yeah. I'm sure it's, it's a, it's interesting. I love asking though, because of the craziness of tour, what are some, do you remember any funny stories or crazy stories of things that happened while you were out on the road? Oh, <laughs> so many different things. But, uh, one of the things that I talk about is be careful because karma will get you. We had, yeah. a, we had, an, um, one of our Mistopheles was a beautiful dancer, unbelievable, gorgeous dancer, but he couldn't walk. <laughs> he could dance, but every single show at some point in time during the show, he would step on his own tail, slip and fall on, on his butt and then get up. And, and it was like, you're this incredible dancer. How can you be that klutzy? So the, I never said anything. And then, of course, the one day I finally said, what is going on with him? He can't walk. And then that, that night I stepped on my tail and boop, boom, down on my butt. There it goes. <laughs> so from then on, I said, okay, uh, be careful about it because karma will get you. Uh, another interesting thing is, is how you make such great friends, but uh, you, you know, people talk about how cycles sort of coincide. Uh, my understudy who got, got married to the Bombal Urino and then the two swings, they got married and then my wife and I were married and all three of us had kids within a co- like a month of each other. <laughs> so we all, three all, kids. All, all from the same show. No, all, basically my, I had already left the show, but the, 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 the cycle had already established itself. So now wow. we, have, we all have kids and they're all almost the same age. Okay, did, but you didn't. Did you meet your wife on the 
Uh, cat, cat? No, I met my wife uh, at uh, Jones Beach and um, the Muni Opera doing Greece. She was Chacha de okay. Gregorio to my Kaniki. But she, so we were already together. So I, I went and I opened in, was it, she's here, Louisville, right? Yes. So I, <laughs> I opened in Louisville, but had two weeks of rehearsal to go. So I was uh, away doing rehearsal and really getting in. She came for opening night. She took one look at me and she thought, oh my God, are you sick? What happened? Wherever. But she looked, <laughs> I had dropped like 20 pounds because the show is that physically demanding. Yeah. It, you, you just sweat buckets during the show. So she took one look at me and she thought, oh my God, what happened? What happened? What did they do to you? <laughs> so I said, no, this is just cat's reality. I have enjoyed, there seems like there's a lot of um, couples that come out of Cats, which makes sense. Yeah. It's this very physical show. You're kind of all rolling on top of each other. and But it's always really interesting, depending on who the pairings are, what they were together. And so I've heard, you know, a Tugger and a Bombay Arena. I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yep. And then you hear somewhere, I'm like, wait, these two cats should not make sense. But it's like, oh yeah, they're, they're actors, you know, like they're not, they're not yeah. there. But it's it's super fun. There's a, there's a lot of it that does come out of that, um, which is... I, which is part of, I think, tour life in general. Yeah, yeah. T touring, you get so close to people in a way that you really don't. Even when I was on Broadway with it, you get close to the people, but they have their lives. They go to their places, and uh, they have to go and they have to, you know, do the wash or whatever. On tour, mm -hmm. you just spend every waking moment together so yeah. the, the bonds are so indelible by the end mm -hmm. so let's fast forward to the broadway so yep. you get called in 90 1990 it's like right after tour right that right. you end up going on tour and you're joining the cast chorus so yeah um that's such a i mean it's such a new piece i didn't know that existed until cats that there's an entire it's so physically demanding that there's an entire group singing in yeah. the pit uh the song so what was that experience was it just like you finished tour and they immediately called you or how did that had that happen well the reality of that is i heard that there was the opening and i wanted to get back to my wife at that point mm -hmm. so i said i would really like to move off the tour i'd been on the on tour for a year somewhere around a year more or less and i said i, I want to get back to my wife and my life so i would like to come in and joined the the broadway cast instead and they said well mm, no and, <laughs> and and i realized i talked about it afterwards to friends of mine and they said yeah a producer to put you into the broadway company it costs money with rehearsals and all of that stuff and then they have to do some again rehearse somebody to replace you on the tour so there's mm -hmm. two sets of rehearsals that they have to pay for so it's much cheaper for them to just hire somebody new for the Broadway thing and leave you where you're at. They don't have to pay for one set of rehearsals. So that's when I said, okay, but I really miss my wife. So I think I'm going to give my notice for the show unless you <laughs> and, and so then they said, uh, okay, well, I said, either way, you're going to have to pay for the two rehearsals. So this way, at least <laughs> I'm already halfway there. I can be put into the Broadway show pretty quickly because I already know the track pretty much which was not true because it's very different. But uh, so then they said yes, and they let me to come into the Broadway one. 
Amazing. So what's that like? Cause it is different. You know, you add in the, the twins and you have some, the rake some tweaks to it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the rake stage. Yeah. All this other stuff that goes to it. Yeah. It was interesting getting used to the rake cause you're doing double. Cause I, I went on for Gus. I also went on to old dude for old dude a couple of times. Wow. Old dude was one of my best friends, Ken Primus at that time. And, uh, he was, he was playing old dude and he called out for one one Wednesday. So I did, I got to play old dude twice and I was like, this is such a great track. You sit on the tire, you sing a little bit, people come over and love you very much. And then you go up on the tire and you sing again, and then you're done and you get the big dressing room. <laughs> and I was like, wow. that, that's kind of cool. Did uh, you do intermission too? Oh yeah. Sitting on stage during intermission? Oh the whole yeah. Thing. Sitting on stage and just go, going into your Zen moment and all of that. So, that was fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, but getting used to the, the rake stage was crazy because I've been doing all of the dancing. Now I, I admittedly, I danced a lot less on Broadway because of the different track, but even the little bit that I did, it was, um, amazing because you do a double pirouette and you'd find yourself falling into the pit because of the rake and you had to completely readjust your alignment. And I heard that for the people, the regulars on stage, like especially the Mistopheles during the turns in second, said trying to dance on a, a flat stage was so completely different that they had a hard time getting off of the rake. Also, on the tour, Gus at the uh, Growl Tiger at the end jumps off the back of the ship, and they had a big crash pad for him. And you, what? And you throw yourself onto this pit. Mm-hmm. When I did it on Broadway. You jump off the back of the ship and there was this steel frame about five feet by two and a half, three feet and a net that catches you. And that if you were a little bit off, you were just like, bam, into the steel frame. So they would teach you, okay, you have to pike into this position, put your hands across your chest and then just drop into this thing. And I was like, oh, okay. Before it was fun with ju- jumping into a crash pad, but this is like, I'm taking my life into my hands every time yeah. I jump off the ship. It's so, it's so strange. I mean, it's like something that should be so similar, but has enough differences because of, you know, stage, you know, and yeah. all the back, you know, back end stuff. And I think even on tour, you probably have a little bit of slight nuances because each, each theater is a little bit different and a little bit size wise. Oh yeah. We played everything we played where, okay. And this theater, we don't have quite the, width so the flooring had to be chopped off so you didn't have all and a lot of times your spacing was set by the marks on the floor and it's like okay that mark doesn't exist anymore because it's a small state and then we played arenas you know ten thousand seat arenas with big screens on either side so that people could see what's actually happening and there it was just huge amounts of space that you could just play with that's it's such a it's such a strange and fascinating piece of this because like I I have only seen it on tour twice uh, the most recent tour in DC mm-hmm. um, and I grew up going to theater in Indiana uh, every once in a while whatever came but those are really big one of them was like a, a huge theater and then the other one was kind of small and so you just have all these different variances and, and a show like Cats where the set's so um, elaborate there's yeah. so much happening there that it kind of does tweak it all but. I'd love to hear a couple more if you have any more fun uh, tour or Broadway stories because I know you had a couple you said you you had ready. Uh, 
Um, let me see. Oh, on Broadway, there was one guy, Ray. I won't, I won't give a last name, but I admired him. He's a fabulous performer. But we would all get there at least a half an hour before. You know, you have to be there half hour. But the makeup, you, you get t- trained. The first day, they go in, they do half your, make, your face of the makeup, and they say, okay, you do the other half. You do it, and they said, okay, you're on your own. That's it. And then you do all of your own makeup. So some people would get there 45 minutes, an hour before, sometimes right start, to, I mean, start their makeup. And I would start mine right at half hour, start putting it on. And I'd look at Ray and he's walking around, talking to everybody, having a great time and all of that stuff. He'd get into his costume for the most part and just have it rolled down. And then they'd call places and he's had still no makeup on. Had started. Had started the makeup. They they basically go or maybe they say three minutes to places or whatever, and he'd sit down, and with nothing but sponges, we're all you know all these brushes and painting and doing all this stuff, nothing but sponges. He would go bap, 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 and every night be there perfectly on time for places, and you'd look at his makeup and it was great. It's like how the heck did you do that in such a short amount of time? I got better and, and faster in it, but I never, never got even close to Ray. Ray, I mean, three minutes might be a record. So I, from what I've heard, when there was a, a regional production, they were saying it took an hour-ish every night when they were trying to figure it out. And I've heard from most of the cast members that's 20 to 30 minutes yeah. even when you're used to it. Yeah. Is that is that about right? Yeah. Well, I, w- I would pretty much start right at half hour. Mine mm-hmm. was fairly intricate because of lots of stripes and all of that stuff. But it, it, it always took me at least 20 minutes to, to half an hour to, to do and Ray did it in stuff. three. And Ray did it in three. And I was always looking at you. You are the god of cat's makeup. Ray, Ray needs to teach teach a course. It exactly. Like. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, it's a, it's a part of the show that also, too, like, you know, you're drenched, sweating from working out so physically demanding show. And doing it in that makeup. So I'm like sitting here going like, did, did Ray even, did it, did it stay? Like, did, he, did he get it? Did he actually get it through? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Because he, he would, you know, at the end of it, it, would, it like all of us, it would just hit it with powder, a lot of powder on that. Cause you know, yeah. you were going to sweat I'm trying to think. Um, oh, interesting thing happened. I, I got, once you're in cats, you're always in cats. So mm-hmm. I, I did it and then I did Broadway and then twice they called me up and somebody got injured or got sick or something and they needed replacement. So they called me up twice to come in. So I, one time I got a, a chance to do it and my daughter had been born and she was old enough, sort of, except that yeah. I found out probably not because <laughs> she came to see the show, but beforehand she came backstage and there's everybody with their makeup on and just the wig caps, no yak hair yet. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just the wig caps and all this makeup and all these crazy people looking around her. And my little daughter looks up. From then on, she was terrified of all animals because she had a yeah. phobia of all animals until finally, I'm, she's 30 now. Finally, about five years ago, she she now has a dog. But it's, it's, it, it instilled such a par- terror because to see those people gearing up for battle like that, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I the the age dynamic of the show is such a fascinating part that I've kind of jokingly argued with, but I know it's such a kid's show because it goes over the head, but then 
you know, you spent two days learning the plot. And when you learn the plot and the backstories and relationships, there's some darkness and some like oh, very yeah. sexual m- parts to the show that I'm like a 12 year old. If you, if you figure that out, shouldn't be seeing this most likely. Bomb Ballerina and Demeter com- with, yes. uh, yeah, th- their whole story. Uh, th- that's, th- that was intense. Uh, I said, okay. Uh, I don't know how much you want me to go into that, but basically McCavity had, bomb as a sex slave until he he finally after a while saw his her younger do- uh, sister demeter and decided threw bomb back and took demeter as it, i'm i'm as uh his sex slave and, and that's then the, told to you right like that yeah. is part of the story you're told in the two days oh yeah oh yeah and then she escaped and that's why demeter is always the one that's kind of really skittery and always because she had just escaped McCavity, whereas Bob mm-hmm. was more worldly and had been away for a while. But but also the two of them were sisters, yeah. So that's why their their costumes and are are similar. But Ooh, interesting. So are they sisters? Because there's a big debate about that, and well, I don't. I'm not heard a clear answer. Yeah. Okay. You were told, told that sisters. they were sisters, and that she, that he threw over the oldest sister for the younger sister. But you know, interesting. Yeah, because it's it's. There are so many different things I think through. I call it now the cat's telephone. (laughs) So many people over the years have said it where the more recent group doesn't think their sisters thinks they're like best friends or, or, um, potentially just maybe related, but not, not sisters. And then I've heard that they are sisters and I I did a poll on this on Instagram a little while ago and I got a 50, 50 split, like from fans, like straight down the middle of nobody, nobody has a clear answer. So I, I'm like, I wish somebody, maybe this exists somewhere, but I wish somebody recorded those two days of you backstage yeah. learning the story from like the original group, like not, you know, it's been passed along and there's, I'm sure a lot, but I don't think there's a perfect answer to so many things. And maybe that's intentional. Um, yeah. that's what I love about the show. Cause it's what gives you so many open-ended opportunities. One as an actor to, you know, portray this slightly different every night. But also as a fan, and especially the super fans who ha- all have, again, very strong opinions about this. Yeah. But even someone like me who can say, well, if you take this and assume that that's true and this and assume that's true, then this can be kind of funny as a, as a byproduct of that, which has been the angle I've kind of had fun with. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of it is whoever tells you the story, you know, whether it's Trevor or whoever's in charge of the production at that time. Yeah, like you say, cat's telephone. By by the time they get to the story to relate to you, maybe it's been shifted or changed a little bit. Yeah. All right. Any any last stories before we go to rapid fire? Uh, um, last stories. Is there anything else that is? Uh, oh, the one one thing. Everywhere you go, because you sweat so much in the show, that there's communal bot- bottles of water everywhere. And it's these days, you know, they'd say, what do you mean? You, you, you can't share about it. You, you would just spray it in your mouth. You wouldn't drink out of it, but you would just yeah. have a little spigot and it would spray it in your mouth and grab and run. But the bodies of the daily cats were like gnarled tree trunks because there was no water in their bodies. So the understudies would go on in, you know, in, in the, the, very revealing costumes. You can't hide anything in those mm-hmm. costumes. And even though they were in brilliant shape, amazing physical specimens to the common eye, you could always tell the difference between 
the regular cats person and the understudy or the person that just came in because their bodies hadn't been squeezed out of water yet. <laughs> Interesting. I would have never thought that because it's, you know, there's especially the more recent to our lot. I mean, the swings are on all the time. There's just so yeah. much yeah. Um, kind of happening to preserve. I probably to preserve too. I, I wonder if there's some of the 80s and 90s where it's just like, y'all just go and deal with it type of thing. And now there's probably a little bit more consciousness to oh yeah protecting the body oh yeah um nobody fascinating nobody ever called out i remember the first time i called out i was i had been running it probably for six eight months or something like that never missed a show and then we were in some time someplace down south and i had some catfish that was bad and got food poisoning i i I couldn't lift my head up without getting sick so I, i finally had to call in but yeah, it's a, it was a different mentality back then. Nobody ever called in unless you were basically at death's door. Yeah, yeah, that's a different different era, and also, I mean, I, who knows? It's it's just such a, a different thing. But yeah. I also love those catfish as what got you. I hadn't even thought about that. Yes, <laughs> on theme. I've been catfished. Yes, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll be back for more of the wrong cat died. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, let's pivot to some rapid fire. So, okay. Um, first one is you, you got to play a handful of different characters, but forget male, female, vocal range, whatever. If you could go on tomorrow, one character, one night in the show, who would you want to be on for? Gus. You still want to go for, but go nope. back for Gus. I still want to, I still feel like there's more that I haven't found in Gus. I, I love all of the characters. I'm probably the other one would be Tugger just to see if I could, you know, muster up that sort of, uh, you know, the first audition, go yeah, back the, to the very first, go back to first the first moment. audition, see if, see if I could pull that one off too. So it'll but, be full circle for you. Yeah. But, but Gus, I still feel there's, there's more story to tell. And also uh, the fact that they changed the song drives me nuts because mm-hmm. when I did it, it was the aria. And it was so much fun to sing the aria. Then they went to this Irish drinking song and then they were, and in the movies, they just cut the songs all together or whatever. It's like, but I loved that aria and it was so Mm -hmm. much fun to sing. Do you know why they cut it? Because I've I've heard different things. I've heard that some of it was just the couple performers didn't have it in their repertoire and that's part of why they cut it. And then I think Growl Tiger got canceled because of the, uh, Siamese, Siamese twins. Yeah, there so they was just cut it completely. But I saw a, a recent version of it, and if, I watched it because I, I just wanted to hear it again. And they sang, they sang it, and they just mm-hmm. changed the words a bit, and it okay. made it, and it 
it, it was now and the the Siamese they cl- they claimed aboard as opposed to the racial slur and it was like oh mm-hmm. that you know why why didn't they do that from the beginning that p- part of it was the time period and all of that stuff but and also yeah. T S Eliot trying to be true to him yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because they've made tweaks. It's been running for 43, four years at this point. Like they've made tweaks um, yeah. to a lot of things, but some I've kind of been like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And others I'm like, ah, oh, okay, that's a change. You know, like there's, yeah. there's differences. I didn't see, I've still never seen besides the 1998 movie, what I would call kind of more of the original, like the original choreography and everything else. I got introduced to the show in 2016. So I was oh. introduced to. Yeah. Andy Blankenbuehler's kind of like re- redone Re- version of it. Um, yeah, revised. Yeah, Jill- Jillian was very, very fun to work with, but she was <laughs> she was a pistol. She was crazy, crazy fun and sexual and um, not afraid to include that into the choreography. That was mm-hmm. that was a lot of it. Like like Victoria's um, solo in the beginning of the show when the, the white cat who does that that slow devlope and all of that stuff it according to jillian it was her f- discovering her own sexuality she's a kitten mm-hmm. that is uh, she's discovering her own sexuality and all all of the male cats are, are around her sniffing around and, and but it that her whole solo is her it, it, exploring her own sexuality yeah i've heard some really crazy stories about <laughs> jillian lynn's kind of like interpretations and saying of it and it's i yeah fascinating but so, yeah some of the um, directions i can't say on t- <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but but they were very graphic but also apt <laughs> yeah yeah we we can say them here i've recorded a couple and then i've thrown a couple of them up on tiktok and they're immediately removed just immediately yeah. taken down so <laughs> yeah. i've i've heard a couple but um okay who are i'm going to take gus off the table for this question so okay. who are your favorite and least favorite characters from the show um you know, it's funny we're we're avoiding um, Grizzle Grizabella, but you know, she's there's a, a wonderful story there too. But I also mm-hmm. the counterpoint of um, Syllabub is also an interesting character she, mm. that she sings the little memory beforehand, and, yeah, and that she's she's looking at, at Grizabella with uh, idolizing her in her eyes as opposed to the other cats who all want to rip her to shreds. Well, she's mm-hmm. an interesting character too. Um, Manga Strap is the one that I, I find probably the least interesting. I feel okay. like I feel like he's as much as he's the you know pseudo leader of, of the tribe and all of that stuff. He's he's also basically the narrator. And I have yeah no no real interest in, in taking on that role. I love it. I love it. Um, what's your favorite song from the show? The, well, the one that they cut the, the aria. Daria. Um uh moments of happiness is interesting to me. I, mean, I haven't mm-hmm. been able to sing it a couple of times too. It's it's try to figure it out. It's it's a little bit obtuse in the, the lyrics, but if there's there's a lot of depth in that as well. And of course, you know, memory is everybody's favorite, but but it's funny because now I hear it and I can't I can't hear it done generically. I've heard it done with amazing people, and I've had great Liz Calloway um, and Lilius White and such wonderful people, wonderful performers that I got a chance to do it with and hear them sing it. So now I'm very particular 
Like if you mm-hmm. do it, you better do it. If you if you're just yeah. gonna sing it, you know, go away. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. There are some incredible performances of memory for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, my fun question. So I was introduced to you by from a former guest of mine, Jamie Lombardi, who said you got to talk to Mr. L. So I want to ask you, which cat do you think would be the best teacher? Since I know you were her teacher and are a teacher. Um, unfortunately, probably Monka Strap. Um, but but the no the, no the reality I think I think Jelly Lorem, Jelly Lorem. Ooh, Jelly Lorem's a good answer. Yeah, I think I thought Jelly, Skimble Shanks. Yeah, Skimble Shanks would be a fun. He would be a fun PE teacher. <laughs> PE. But, but I feel like Jelly's got the empathy to reach into people and and give them what they need, not and, and to hear and supportive as opposed to just informing them. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the the first answer I thought of when I kind of wrote this question was Jenny Annie Dodds because I'm like it's written in her song. Yeah, and then I kind of thought Skimble Shanks is like, well, you know, you got to be prompted on time and keep the bell going. Yeah, and, but I love Jelly Lorem. I didn't think about that, like the the empathy she would bring to the classroom to be yeah. able to like get the best of everybody. Yeah, is I think that's the best answer. And she tells a story. She tells Gus's story so mm-hmm. nicely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Million dollar question, and yeah. I, I believe that you're going to agree with me. So I'm I'm ready to hear your defense. But yeah, I've argued at length that I don't think Grizabella should be the joyful choice. So do you want to defend Grizabella or pick somebody else? Oh, I'm picking Gus. Gus should be Gus is beloved by everybody. He's done a service for years and years and years. He's fading rapidly, and who better to go to the heavy side layer and and have a, a new jellical life. Uh, I love it. I, you know, Grizabella, I get it. I get it. But what did she, what has she done for anybody else but herself through her whole life? Yeah. Whereas Gus gave to, to the, the masses. So Gus is my so, choice. I want to ask you, you got to go on, you said for old Deuteronomy twice. Yeah. How hard was it to sell yourself on her as a choice? Having been Gus for so many other performances you know it's funny because there i think there was a little slight tinge in the back of my head it's like <laughs> okay grizabella but gus yeah you sure you're next, you sure you're next. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're next yeah that's fun i because i've always thought i do still think there's a world where you could do this differently but i um but i, I just can't even imagine you you almost as gus have to prepare yourself of like you are the choice until she comes back and then you have to sell her as like that you're okay with it yeah and so yeah. just knowing that you're going to switch for a couple performances to be on the other side of that, it's got to be hard mentally to, yeah. to do that. Yeah, it was it was a little bit of a twinge. It's like, I, oh, but really, uh, I'm going to let you go this time because basically you, you sang that song. <laughs> but the yep. person who deserves it is the one with the hand shaking over in the corner. <laughs> Did your cast ever think about that question? Like of that, was she the choice or should have been you or does that, is anybody else even in the running? You know, I, I think it, when I saw the name of the podcast, I was like, oh, finally, somebody's actually yeah. posed the question. I, th- I think we've all thought it and p- some people have slightly mentioned it, but it was never really deeply discussed. And I'm glad it's finally being discussed and, and, and the, the, the service that was getting shown to Gus is coming out. <laughs> I, yeah. I, so it's so interesting now because now I know it's being discussed and on all these you know, regional productions and the tour. Yeah. And I'm like, is that purely because of me or like, is, was this just something that's always been happening? And 
Um, and it's, it's a, a fun piece of this now because it's, it's, you know, this all started as parody and, yeah. um, and the, the poking fun at it. Uh, but I do think it's an interesting debate because it opens up so many questions to the story. And I love you saying in the very beginning of today is, is the story that you were told that we don't need to know, you know, it's like, like that's, it's okay. They all don't need to know this. I'm like, well, we want to know a bunch of us want to know those, those yeah. things. And so uh, we'll get to ask those questions and pose it. And, and there needs to be some, some codifying, codifying of the story, because obviously there's this different interpretations. Are they sisters or are they, you know, friends or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, it makes it much more poignant as, as sisters though. I, for sure i i do think there's i part of me wants them to just be together like just have them be dating yeah because i think that's another different angle too that could be really fun because that song is so sexual and they're on stage together that yeah. like they're they could do a very different version of that song together yeah well that's true that's true but that's been their whole lives you know since they were kittens yeah. so that basically they were sex slaves so that that's all yeah. they really know is sexuality yeah it's a. Uh, Again, and this is probably what scarred your, your daughter as a young <laughs> yeah. child being backstage with the human cats. Uh, and, uh, but hopefully it goes over everyone else's head who brings their children to the show because it's yeah. uh, a lot of the audience. Yeah. Um, any parting words? I, this has been super fun. Oh, well, thank you. No, this has been great. Reliving the memories is it's always a joy. I have pictures of myself in the role that I hardly ever see. But every time I look and I, I don't see me, I just see Gus, uh, good memories come back. So, and not just of Gus, but also the whole, the whole production, the whole experience, whether it be on the tour, uh, on Broadway or, uh, in some of the subsequent ones where they would bring me back in which happened twice. I think that I would pop in and meet new actors a whole new set of actors but all telling the same story and having the same kind of experience it's it's nothing but joyful yeah it's uh hopefully if you can maybe share some of those pictures we'll we'll throw them on the social media with this uh with this particular uh episode so sure happy um, to. this has been super fun thank you so much for being an amazing guest and sharing <laughs> uh your, your experience oh you're welcome it's been great fun for me too Awesome. And thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Tide, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and threads of The Wrong Cat Tide, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.